It's the Tim Cornwall Show with Joe Santorsa. Bringing you news from the front lines of the battle to restore the soul of America. And now, here's your host, Tim Cornwall. Hey there, and welcome to episode 733 of the Tim Cornwall Show for Sunday, February 25th, 2024. Gosh, already at the end of February. And I'm joined on the show by my co-host, co-producer, and resident Photoshop expert, the one and the only Joe at Marnus3. How are you, Joe? Oh, I'm doing fine, Tim. Glad to be here. <laughs> Glad to have you back. And from down Atlanta Waste at P23, how are you, Seth? I'm doing good. And I want to say that today is my birthday. It's my first birthday on the Tim Cormel show. So I'm very super duper happy to be here. When I realized that it was going to line up, I was like, oh, hell yeah, I got to do this, man. It's my birthday and I want to be here. And I've had a great weekend. Elena, my partner, wife, has been super awesome, and we've done a lot of fun things, and I'm just super happy to be here. Yes. Happy birthday, happy birthday, <laughs> dear friend, we sing to you. Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday to you. And if it's your birthday, happy birthday to you. If it isn't, Happy unbirthday to you. Here you go. Happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday. Rogers is the king. He's he's just a great person. Fred so that's Rogers. Awesome. Did yeah. you did you did you see they had a cameo of him in the series Julia on no, HBO? No, I don't know about that. Oh yeah, they had a series. The Julia is about Julia. It's a series about Julia Child. Okay. And how she became famous on PBS in Boston. And okay. at one in one episode, she's at a at a PBS conference, and she meets Fred Rogers. <laughs> oh, that's great! <laughs> so that's yeah, fun. It's a great show. Great show. Yeah. Um, but uh, but uh, Seth also joining us from down North Carolina way. T Brown, how are you, T? Hello, guys. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, it's a pretty good day. Yeah, sixty nine. Headed to 70 later in the week. Wow, yeah. Woo. Woohoo. All right, T, good to see you. And from down uh, from a New York City way, Allie McNeil, Watergate Summer. How are you, Allie? I'm doing good. Yeah, I'm high. New York City's okay. Glad to have you back. And we got a special guest at the beginning of the show today, Lauren Mayer. Welcome, Lauren. Hi. It's so good to hear everybody and to join you. And, and I've been listening to the show, so I hear all your voices, but it's nice to be on with you yeah. in person. Well, we appreciate you sending us your song every week. And uh, we got, a, got, your, do it. got your song again uh, this week, uh, Gold gold Fake Shoes with your husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he had a little time off. And as soon as I heard about the shoes, and then I'm looking at Joe's uh, little art with, with the sneakers. So I thought you guys might appreciate that one. And yeah, he, he does a good Elvis. So it was yeah. really fun to do it with him. <laughs> yeah, I saw, the, I saw the Saturday Night Live clip last night <laughs> where they did the thing about the gold shoes. It was hilarious. <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that yet. I'll have to check. Is that from last night? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. The guy gets the gold shoes and puts them on. He's a complete loser. Everything's going wrong. Oh, right, right. I read. I read the review. And he continues to be a complete loser, but he just tells everybody that he's that he's so successful. Camper's new shoes. That's what we're going to start calling it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I wasn't sure. I mean, and it's funny when I bounce ideas off of Scott, my husband. He's like, "Do you have to give him any more oxygen?" Seriously, I don't. You know, I want to write. There's a lot of issues that are important besides Trump, but the sneaker thing was just too funny to resist. So, oh. and especially since it looks like I don't know if they did that on Saturday Night Live, but because he did the Red Soul, 
um, there's probably going to be a lawsuit coming from Louboutin. Right. Because, wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Louboutin <laughs> has the patent for and red, and red this, the fine print. I just couldn't resist that part of it. In the fine print, you pay your three ninety three hundred ninety nine dollars. There's no guarantee you're going to get your shoes. Right. <laughs> no <laughs> refunds. Oh, geez. Well, you know why that is, Lauren. The reason is he created an LLC that's incorporated in Delaware to sell his NFTs because all of his New York LLCs are tied up in the in the court. He can't. He 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 has to go to the person, the senior judge that's overseeing, to access any of his resources in those in New York LLCs, which is where all his money is. And so he he's using the same LLC in Delaware, which doesn't have very much money in it. So he right. can't afford to have the shoes manufactured until he sells them, pre-sales them, right? Oh, or the may, or the perfume, or whatever cologne, or whatever it is he's trying to sell because he doesn't have the money to have it manufactured. <laughs> and anybody he has in New York is going to get tied up in the four hundred fifty million um, judgment. I love. There's a. I don't know if it's a tweet or a meme of tish james saying i'm looking at 40 wall street i know right yes i posted yesterday donnie the clock has started tick tick interest is going every day so it's pretty tick tick he's got 30 days right (laughs) i'm i'm very encouraged so so there's other stuff to write about too so i won't do that this week um you know i again i we were talking before we went on air about this podcast sisters in law that has um joyce vance barb mcquaid kimberly atkins store and and my buddy jill winebanks because she follows me and um joyce referred to um the state she went to school in as talabama yeah, right. yeah. I heard one. that. That was great. I think I might have to do something about Talabama. And it's not just the IVF, well, the um, the fetal personhood stuff. But, you know, I mean, health care, maternal health care there is horrible. It's like, so I might have to write about Talabama. Yeah. Well, and also you could write about the, the crazy um, QPAC. <laughs> Oh, the QPAC, and somebody, I also saw somebody called um, Groupies of Putin. This should be the new acronym for GOP. Yes, that was exactly. So, there's just there's so much, um, you know. I, and for your listeners who might just hear the songs, I, I put out a video every week. But I've been doing this since 2012 every week. But I do it because there's so much that could be really awful in the news, and if people can laugh at it, it helps. Yes, it's not to trivialize because I saw a columnist a while ago saying we shouldn't crack any more Trump. It was a comedian. That's saying we shouldn't write any more Trump jokes because he's not funny. And when we laugh at him, we trivialize the danger. But I think if we can't laugh, then we lose our our whole ability to cope with things. And um, a great history story about a, t- a radio show in London called It's That Man Again, ITMA, and they called it ITMA. And it was a radio program making fun of Hitler. And a lot of people attribute London's ability to survive the Blitz without caving in to the fact that people laughed at Hitler and decided they could withstand whatever he was going to do and they would stay strong. So not that I'm saying I'm helping people withstand Hitler, but at least I feel like we can all laugh at the news and you guys should that too. I I agree. Lauren, you do great work and thank you for all you do. So thank you. Yeah, I saw all of you. I mean, I laugh at the show every week I listen and the clown car is genius, Joe. So oh. thank you. <laughs> that would be thank some you. other genius, not me. <laughs> oh, no, no, you, you got really hard times. I'm very grateful to you and your tunes. Oh, um, 
no, I'm serious. You can be having a really horrible day. And um, when he was president and doing really horrible shit, I would hum your little tunes on the screen. (laughs) Allie, thank you. And I feel like, you know, I can't do the hard work that you do as a, as a first responder and all of you do great things. So if I can support you and help you laugh, then as Lena Lamont says in singing in the rain, it means my hard work ain't been in vain for nothing. (laughs) Yeah, there's so many things, Lauren, you can write about. And so, yeah, the Taliban sounds good. But uh, did you see the 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 CPAC, the photo of CPAC with all the empty chairs? Yeah, empty <laughs> chairs then, and empty tables. And then, yeah, and then they took all the chairs, all the empty chairs out, and pushed everybody down into a little teeny tiny section in front to make it look like there was a crowd. And then put <laughs> the camera in the empty space. I know. Yeah, oh, they crazy. said they said basically because of that whole match slap business with him groping up. Yeah. Uh, Herschel Walker staffer, <laughs> that that's why uh, everybody pretty much abandoned CPAC. But yeah. uh, but also oh, yeah. they had a they had a January six pinball machine. <laughs> Jesus, right? Oh my, oh my god! I mean, every time you think they can't go lower, they do. I just they and have no lower. shame. They have no shame whatsoever. They have none whatsoever, and you 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 quote their lines back to them. And, and did you see the CPAC flag? CPAC was written on a Russian flag. <laughs> <laughs> red white and green or whatever <laughs> yeah. oh my god really they're, they're shameless they're, shame doesn't work so we just got to turn out the vote and keep laughing and and just i mean the one thing that's very encouraging to me for the election every time i have a lot of because i live in the, in the san francisco area so it's a pretty blue part of the country but i have a lot of friends who i keep talking off the ledge because they see these polls saying that trump might win and i mean it's you know polls are a bit premature at this point but the thing that reassures me is that you know they so overstepped with the Dobbs decision yeah. and we're seeing now all these horrible stories about you know women who can't get a top of pregnancies solved and now they're going to make IVF illegal and I mean that's going to turn out the vote with young people absolutely absolutely oh, that's the hope so, so I'll keep doing all the great stuff you all are doing, and I'll keep writing about it. All right, Lauren. Well, we appreciate you joining us today. Can I do a quick plug? Because I have something that is not local, um, and it's not about politics, although it's related to misogyny and anti-Semitism, so it is sort of tangentially related. I'm doing my Jewish Mother Show, um, which is a program about why the stereotype is negative and wrong and rooted in anti-Semitism and misogyny. And what we can do to still laugh at Jewish mothers in a more accurate way. So I'm doing it at a place called The Marsh, San Francisco, which is a solo show theater um, on Monday, March 4th and March 18th at uh, 7 p.m. Pacific. And it streams. And so the information is on my Facebook page, um, Laura Mayer Comedy Songs, which got hacked. Somebody changed the name and we can't get a change, but it's still me. And it's The Marsh org has all the information if you look up Monday Night Marsh. And I'll be with two other solo artists who are doing great work. Um, and it's free to stream. All right. Well, thank you, Lauren. Yeah, definitely. I'll be looking for that. So, so yeah. You know, and, and why non-Jewish mothers should care that the Jewish mother stereotype still exists. So. <laughs> and, I, you know, I think we can laugh at it still, too. My kids certainly tell me I'm funny. <laughs> they laugh at me. I guess that's the operative word. So, yeah, I'll be doing that. And then hopefully starting to take it on the road and maybe coming near all you. All so. right. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. 
appreciate thank you, you so in. much for letting me pop in and, and have a great show and i'll look forward to listening to All it right. bye 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 thank you lauren so Allie, what's happening up new york city way um let me think well um it's been pretty cold um and but the tourists have come back and i guess that's good um but the election talk is starting up and when tourists come here from other states, I do hear talk about Trump. And that's always really interesting because um, in the news, they keep saying, oh, you know, Trump has this in the bag and da 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 da. And that, you know, people down south, um, you know, are going to vote for him again. But most of the people that have been coming through New York City are not talking about voting for him. So I'll be very mm-hmm. honest. That's just, that's like subway gossip and, and just eavesdropping on tourist conversations and all. But um, every time I hear one of those conversations about, you know, couples that they're saying you're not voting for them again, I'm, I'm like, oh, I know who they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's interesting because we've seen it. We've seen it in Iowa. We saw it in New Hampshire. And last night we saw it in South Carolina. Forty percent are not voting for him in the primary. Forty percent mm-hmm. are Republicans. Mm-hmm. So you're, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard to carry a general when you lost 40 yeah. percent of your own party. <laughs> ah, and I, I just find it funny because. Um, the media is really, really focused on, um, you know, trying to hype up, you know, he's, he's got this block, he's da, da, da. but the truth is, you know, a lot of Republicans are just walking away and yeah. they're not talking about that at all. So anyway, I just thought it was interesting. And, um, you know, this is the year I start really eavesdropping on conversations and paying more attention. Um, because everybody that comes through here, I want to know, you know, what, what did, what do they care about? So, yeah. Well, did you see? I don't know if you were watching the MSNBC last night, but they, they they were talking about this, and Lawrence O'Donnell brought up a very interesting point, um, and he said that, you know, they were talking about Trump and how he's like, you know, flubbing up things in his speech and talking, you know, nonsense. Apparently, yeah. he like talked for an hour and a half or two hours or something in front of CPAC, or one of one of his speeches, he actually referred to Melania as as Mercedes. <laughs> he called his wife Mercedes, <laughs> and he says, "And why is this not on the front page of the New York Times?" Yeah, why? And and well, I, I mean, it's, it's funny good. to laugh that he's calling his wife Mercedes, but why is that exactly? I mean, why are they treating this like a horse race? I mean, I don't know. Joe, if Joe Biden called Jill. Something wrong. I mean, it would be that's we would hear nothing about it. I mean, we would hear nothing but but them talking about it for a week and a half. Yeah, at least at least. Um, but I wear a fuck Trump button that I wore the whole time he was president on my knapsack, and it always stirs up conversation. I mean, there's some days I don't wear because there's other trouble on the train. I don't need more trouble. Right. But there's some I purposely wear it to see what, especially on Fridays, I'll wear that button just because that's a lot of tourists arrive on Thursday nights and on Fridays they're traveling around the town. And I, I purposely kind of wear it just to catch the vibe and see what's going on and see if it raises eyebrows, comments. And when he was president, I got all kinds of comments. But now it, it mostly spurs like husband and wife will sit and argue with each other. You know, well, I told you I'm not voting this year. I told you. <laughs> I sit there right. and I think, oh, okay. Interesting. Right. So, yeah. But I, yeah, I, I think there's too much focus on the race part and not enough focus on the substance part. And, um, you're right. If he's calling his wife Mercedes, somebody should be taking a look at that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Well, we tell people where they can check you out. Oh, I am still on um, Twitter. I started there in the beginning, uh, which is over, I don't know how many years now, 12 years, I don't know, something. More than that, I think, actually. Anyway, um, I, I will be prepared to the bitter end. 
Um, you're going to drag me off here speaking and screaming. I'm just <laughs> okay. sitting there all trying to make Mr. Tesla a little more miserable day by day. Um, I block every single ad he ever sends my way. Any any ad that's on my stream, I just block. I spend a lot of time just doing that. Um, but I'm on there. I I confess I have accounts on Spoutable and Blue Sky Underwater Day Summer, but I never go there. I'm really sorry. One day I wonder. I those are my they're my like my, my life rafts. So I know when Twitter has something awful happen, I I do have a place to go. Yeah. And then I am working on a book about being a nurse through the pandemic. Actually, it's about being a nurse since the AIDS epidemic in the 80s and 90s, wow. and, and it ends with the uh, pandemic. Um, I need a title for it. I don't have a title yet, but I am working with some good people, and if anybody also wants to message me about things they think need to be covered about the pandemic that maybe got missed by the news and are not being covered anymore, I also have been telling people on Twitter to send me messages. So I'm also taking input from other people on the stuff they want in books. Um, Speaking of the pandemic, I don't know if you guys saw that last night, but uh, Rachel Maddow was supposed to be in studio with the panel yeah. covering the South Carolina primary, and uh, she has COVID again. She had it last yeah. October, and she got it again. Yeah. So we um, had her in, a, just, in a private studio on camera. Get your vaccines. Um, if there's a lot of RSV out there. It's not just COVID. Also, flu vaccine. Also, if you have any respiratory condition, you're over the age of 25. Um, make sure you talk to your doctor about getting pneumonia vaccine. Yes, um, I had mine. Mm-hmm. The age on that, and I think people need to know about that, and they haven't. Nobody said anything. Yeah, and anyway. and also they're having that measles outbreak in Florida at the yep. schools, and then the stupid uh, the stupid Surgeon General told people it's perfectly fine to send your kids to school with measles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> really. <laughs> also, uh, about uh, measles, if you are over forty. Um, check with your doctor and get titers drawn to see where you are with your vaccine. Because there's a lot of people who are 40 who literally their vaccines, especially certain vaccines, including measles, your titers have, are, are, are probably pretty low. And you probably need a booster. Uh, okay. So, um, and that's another little piece of trivia that people don't know about, but it's really, really important. Because, yes, you can get measles as an adult, and it's usually someone um, that has no titers. Or has very low type. Right, and measles is airborne, so. Yeah, and, oh yeah, and by the way, yes, it's airborne. So, if you live somewhere where there's just tons of people coughing, you start wearing a mask again. Right. Um, I never most stopped. people here in New York City are wearing masks, especially healthcare workers wear masks, and most of the hospitals are full right now here in New York City, and nobody's saying anything about it, because I don't know why. But anyway, um, do wear a mask, um, especially if you're in public transportation and all, kind of important. might save you a really grisly infection, so. All right, thank um, you, Allie. We'll get um, infections here. It's RSV and COVID together. So that's why I'm nagging. Yeah, that sounds nasty. <laughs> yeah, you don't need more than one. Yeah. Anyway, All right. You. Thank you, Allie. Always glad to have you back. T, what's happening down North Carolina Way? Oh, my. Um, well, let's see. It's election time. Early elections are going on. 
And we've got a lot of people out there who don't need to be running for office. I'll leave it at that. Uh, hottest news down here right now is a pastor in Moreau who, <laughs> for his sermon, said shorts cause people to be attacked and great. Shorts? Wearing shorts. Oh, okay. So it's not the guy's fault. She was wearing shorts. Oh, okay. That's, <laughs> other than that, uh, we're humming along. At, we are actually doing really well with early voting. It ends on Saturday, but I spoke to the ladies and they said, yeah, people showed up a lot. Is your is so the North is the North Carolina primary on Super Tuesday? Uh yes it is. Yeah, Pennsylvania is not until April twenty third. I actually ordered my, my ballots this last week, so because in Pennsylvania you can do mail in ballot. No excuse needed, so so all right. it, Go ahead, T. We're doing we we are doing well. So T, did you see that uh Donald Trump spoke to uh what was it? The Black Republican Coalition or something like that? And all of the people in the audience were white? <laughs> Wait a minute. This is the same guy who said the sneakers, you know, I'm down with the, the, the urban community and the blacks because they love my sneakers because they're sneaker people. Oh, oh my mm. God. And he yeah, also that, said that. black he also said black people love him because of his 91 felony counts. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We we we're, we're compadres because of my 91 felony counts. They uh, no, no. No. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and why is this not the why is this not the headlines of the New York Times, right? <laughs> Again. Oh my god. All right. Teeth work people check you out. You guys can find me over on Spoutable at T Brown one zero six one. Uh, I'm doing pretty well over there, getting getting a lot of com- feedback and oh, that's good. commentary over there. You can also find me over on Tickety Talk at T Brown sixty four, where I hold my uh, my podcast and multiple lives, and we have wonderful roundtables over there. All right, thank you, T. Always glad to have you back. Seth, what's happening down the line away? Well, thanks for having me. Like I said, I'm so happy to be here because it's my birthday, and I'm celebrating its birthday weekend, birthday month, of course. Oh, <laughs> and <yes>. um, <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm just having a good time, just enjoying life. You know, um, you know, people are talking about like what they're doing and stuff, and the, and the thing that my contribution to trying to help democracy is this week I completed another training session of poll worker for Fulton County. And, um, you know, I, I feel good about it. You know, it, it's effort and it, it's, it's a lot. I will say this about that though. And I mean, I think this is probably true for every, every, every state, every precinct, every district, whatever. But, you know, when they talk about voter fraud, what they don't realize is that it's so more, it's so much more complex than you even know. Like when you go to the cast your vote and you go to the polling station and you talk to the, you see the people when you get do the stuff. It's like what you don't see is there's layers and layers and layers of of security behind that. That is it's really deep. And it would just take a massive Herculean effort to try to commit fraud. And there would have to be thousands and thousands and thousands of people who would who would 
like be in the conspiracy that wouldn't lie, that wouldn't right. give it up. You know what I'm saying? And um, so that's what I'm trying to say is like our elections are secure people. Absolutely. They're very secure and they're secure because they're based on this, this multifaceted, heavily layered matrix, if you will, of, of, of secrecy. And, and like, I don't know half, I know, I know slightly more than the average person as to how this works, but there's so much more than that. And it's no, it, well, it can't be, it can't be undone. You know what I'm saying? Mean, it's, it's been, they, it's been building over decades, over centuries. Yeah. And it's well, really so the okay. stupid, the stupid politi- um, members of Congress, Senate and the House that are still calling the 2020 election fraudulent. Yeah. We're on the same ballot. Yeah, and they're not questioning yeah, their race. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Why is their race not not fraudulent? Exactly. Why are they fraudulent? Right. Yeah, I mean, all I'm trying to say is, as I am a volunteer poll worker, the more I learn, the more I respect how intense it is, and it's like. There's just no way. I can't. I mean, the little bit I know now makes me realize that as if if I learn more, I may not. Um, but it's just it's intense, man. It's like they they've thought about this for a long time. Well, and, and the the other side I want to say make this last point is real quick is that um, elections since the dawn of time, since before probably even written language when people were just raising their hands or whatever. It's like elections are based on the sole concept of we don't trust each other. You know what I'm saying? Like, like we don't trust each other and that's fine. And so what they do is they were like, okay, we're all going to cast our, our, our decisions in a bowl, maybe written on paper, or maybe they're just rocks, the flat rock and the not flat rock or whatever. We're going to put the things in the bowl in front of everybody because because we don't trust each other. And so that when we do look at the results, we get to a, a decision that's based on the majority of people. And there's you you can't fight that. You know what I'm saying? You look like it's it's like it's right there in front of your face, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and that's it's still the same way to this day. Even though we're using digital technology, even when though we're doing all stuff, it's still that same prehistoric mentality of we don't trust each other, which is fine. And totally normal. It's like, and, and there's, it's because of transparency. We want transparency. And so, anyway, I just, I, I'm sorry. I got a little bit of rant there. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll have but you I, know, uh, Seth, that when I registered to vote in Pennsylvania, yeah, uh, when I got my Pennsylvania driver's license, I went to the D.C. Board of Election and Ethics website and I downloaded the form to unregister myself in D.C., filled it out and mailed it to them. So... You know, because this thing about people moving from state to state and, you know, you got stale voting logs. I mean, it was easy to do. Yeah. You know, and so because I was afraid that somebody was going to, you know, that they that D.C. would send a ballot to my old address with my name on it and somebody might get it and fill it out. And then I could get in trouble. Trying someone trying to say that I committed voter fraud, you know. (laughs) Thank you. Workers, it's hard work. Yeah. Oh my God! You know it, it. It is, and it's not just me, but to everybody else who does it in the in in the world, it's like it's just a fifteen hour day, man. Yeah. It's like we got to get there at five, and we don't leave till like nine. Yeah. P.M. Five a.m. to nine p.m. is like. Oh, we appreciate that. But it's worth it. it. It's it's work, and and of course you, Allie. I mean, what you do is amazing. So yeah. we appreciate that you do it, Seth, and happy birthday again. So <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you, Joe. What's happening up Scranton way? Oh, just 
like about nothing is going on. As <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we're getting ready for the St. Patrick's Day parade, I guess. Yeah. I think it's one of the biggest in the country in Scranton. So uh, the bars will be full. There'll be a lot of green uh, beer over drinking. <laughs> right, green beer everywhere. Green beer, <laughs> yes. Green lines on the on the. Uh, they'll be painting the lines green on the streets. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fun, and uh, I'm I'm, as you know, Tim. I've started my own anti-social network. <laughs> That's me. Right. Because I don't go on social networks anymore. <laughs> So, you know, you can't find me anywhere except in Scranton and uh, maybe Italy some soon because oh. I'm applying for Italian citizenship. Oh, really? Yes, yes. It turns out I'm eligible. Oh, you wow. Know? So uh, I, I'm thinking of uh, moving to a farther right country. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. They don't have any nuts over there, do they? Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. They, they yeah, got but, a nut for their uh, prime minister, right? Yeah. That's my my latest project is uh, to uh, to claim my grandfather's Italian heritage. All right. So that's what I'm doing. Well, Joe, it's going to be six in this almost seventy degrees here in Pittsburgh this week. Yeah, it's going to be in the sixties this week here Upper too. 60s, so yeah, we're so. looking forward to that. Yeah, we had a we had and, a little uh, dusting of snow yesterday, and it was gone by noon. And, uh, yes, yeah, so it's going to be in the 60s, so there you go. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, but there's so. no climate change. <laughs> no, no, no no climate change, but that's okay. I'll take the, uh, you know, I'm 75, so I don't care. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, Joe, glad to have you back. And uh, Tim Cormo on all the social medias except for Twitter. And we're on uh, Amazon, Google, and uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, as well as on Networks Radio, Networks Radio 630 a.m. Eastern and 7 p.m. Eastern on Mondays, as well as on Ready for Humans on Mondays and Wednesdays at 9 a.m. Eastern and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern. And uh, with that, we are renaming the Social Media Friend of the Week to... Our heroes of the week. We are heroes, heroes in the dark. I thought that was perfect. We are heroes in the darkest times because it's some dark times, all right. <laughs> So we'll start with uh, with uh, T. Who is who is your hero this week? My hero is Marlia M A R A L E I A uh, dot blue sky dot social. Um, I started following her same day I started Blue Sky. Um, political junkie, and she had me with science fiction nerd. Oh, <laughs> cool. Cool. But she is also a history buff. All right. I'll have to get on Blue Sky. Mariella at uh, bluesky.social on Blue Sky. And, uh, oh, and T, I found out I'm getting a special birthday present on April 4th. It's season five of Discovery. Star Trek Discovery Ooh. starts on oh, April yes. 4th. Ah! So that's my birthday. Ah, yay. <laughs> yes. All right. Allie, who is your hero this week? My hero this week is Barbara Kate. The Kate, oh God, my cat is chewing on the phone. <laughs> um, Barbara McQuaid, and, yeah. Yeah, uh, on Twitter. I follow her there. And also, um, I just want to mention her book comes out this week. And she's in New York City to promote it. And I'm going to try to find out where she is and go get her book. Awesome. Um, 
Her book is called um, the Disin- How the Disinformation of Sabotaging of America Attacked from Within. So uh-huh. it comes out on the 27th. So it comes out. Huh? All right. So Barb McQuaid on Twitter. I follow her on threads. So. Yeah, she's awesome. All right. And uh, yeah, her new book is, I'm excited about it. I want to get it. So, all right. Thank you so much. And we'll go to, let's see, uh, we'll go to Seth, who's your uh, your hero this week. My hero this week is Allison Gill of Muller She Wrote, a Twitter account, and she has a podcast called The Daily Beans. She's former military, former government worker, and now she has a podcast, like I said, The Daily Beans, as well as... uh, Jack and it's called it, it's 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 Jack. It's it's talking about like the uh, the the case with with Jack Smith and everything. And um, I think she's really great, man. And um, I really enjoy the Daily Beans. It's a great podcast. It's fun, and I respect her a lot. And I think she does good work. So so check out Allison Gill on Threads. I mean, she's on all the stuff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But the Daily Beans, I would probably recommend that the most because i really enjoy that podcast it's fun it's great all right Muller she wrote on threads is where i'll put her and uh i love when she joins the stephanie miller show too so <laughs> mm-hmm. all right indeed and yep. we'll go with joe who's your hero this week my hero this week was on uh i don't watch these shows anymore but i was looking at media i this morning and i see Kristen welker had gavin newsom on hmm. and so he becomes my hero because she is be- fast becoming the uh, the Chuck Todd, th- huh? The Chuck Todd, yeah, the Chuck Todd, <laughs> the, the Chuck Todd of uh, they can't, they can't. Why don't they just cancel that show? Because they can't, <laughs> they can't find anybody that that can do it right. But she she's again bringing up Biden's age and wants to know if the Democrats are being irresponsible for putting him on the top of the ticket. Could you imagine asking that stupid question? Hmm, yeah. Hmm. When the other party put a dementia-addled fascist on their who top of their it, ticket, and who, they don't care. Who thinks his wife's name is Mercedes? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, here's here's part of what he said about about it. He says he said I Gavin Newsom responded by saying he said I think he's done in three years has been a master class, close to 15 million jobs. That's eight times more than the last three Republican presidents combined. The economy's booming, inflation is cooling. It's at 0.6 percent more than it was in the summer of 2020, at just 3.1 percent. And he went on to say, so from my humble perspective, not only have the last three years been extraordinary, mm-hmm. I've been out, as you know, on the campaign trail. I was just out in California. I see him up close. I've seen him from far. But here's my point. It's because of his age that he's been successful. Right. It's because of his wisdom and the character that develops over the years. So the opportunity to express that for four more years, what a gift it is for the American people. There you have it right there, right? That's it. All right. right. So, uh, you know, I I mean, this media obsession with polls and his age and, and making this like we were saying before, into a horse race. Mm-hmm. This is not a horse race. It's not, no. This this is a race for survival of our democratic way of life. Absolutely. And it's people like 
Allie, it's people like Seth who are doing the the work that needs to be done to preserve this democracy. Mm -hmm. Okay? And the news media has to get off its corporate ass and start telling this like it is. This isn't a horse race. It's a race for survival. Yeah, I like Keith Oberman keeps saying, "Hey, Kristen Wilker, why don't you tell? Why don't we have a discussion about that when we're in the concentration camp for for journalists?" <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, what, 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 can can NBC find anybody that that can that can could run that show? Right. Exactly. They could, if I may say, they could if they would keep their hands off and stop playing at journalistic malpractice. Mm. Both ism and just go for facts thank you exactly all right so i'll put gavin newsom's uh link to his facebook in the show notes and i went with jojo from jurors because she's just awesome (laughs) and uh she's i'm gonna put a link for her threads and she had a pinned uh tweet actually screenshot of a tweet um from her jojo from jurors twitter account and she says Dear Republicans, you have underestimated women for the last fucking time. Mm. Buckle up. (laughs) (laughs) And then she added, they have no idea what they have unleashed, right? (laughs) Mm. That's right. I give her the boom shakalaka, boom shakalaka, boom shakalaka, and boom, boom shakalaka goes goes right right there. there. Yes, and we'll give all of our social media friends a kiss. It's going to take me a while to to say heroes instead of social media friends. I've been doing this for nine years or ten hours. Actually, no, for 14 years since 2009. (laughs) So, but uh, yeah, so with, uh, so uh, we'll start out uh, this week uh, with uh, uh, CNN reporting about uh, Trump's shoes. We're heading to Michigan. Trump was in Philadelphia at sneaker cons promoting new sneakers. Bold, gold, and tough is exactly how his $399 a pair kicks aptly named the Never Surrender High Top. They're being described as uh, on that new website right now, and they sold out fast last night as Trump continues to monopolize off merchandise related to his legal woes. Now, the uh, witty response from the White House coming from Biden's campaign spokesperson, Michael Tyler, quote, Donald Trump showing up to hawk Bootleg off-whites is the closest he'll get to any Air Force Ones ever again (laughs) for the rest of his life. He's selling sneakers. Does he own any? That's a good question. I've never seen the man outside (laughs) of this. Maybe occasionally in a golf situation, but... I don't know. He's he's now selling gold shoes. You might wear them, though, because they are gold. No, he won't. (laughs) No, he won't. (laughs) That was hilarious. Uh, that was a couple. He didn't say who they were in the media article, but that was two of uh, the commentators on uh, on uh, CNN. <laughs> but, yeah, but they're right. It's just like we talked about. I mean, he doesn't even have these shoes made yet. You know, he doesn't have the money to even have be, the shoes. You know? He's just another grift, man. Another yep. grift. But you wow. know how it was a grift? Did you notice when he got booed? From people yeah. in the audience, that one little woman ran up there. We love him. God yeah. loves him. God uh-huh. sent him. She's just like all over him. And I'm like, how do you get past everybody to an ex-president like that? Unless right. it's a setup. It's a yep. setup. Yep, it was staged. That was staged because there's no way she would have gotten past Secret Service agents to run up on stage like that if that wasn't pre-planned. 
Yeah. Yep. So that was just, this is just, this is so, I, I loved all the memes this week. It was just hilarious. <laughs> the rubes, I, the rubes wearing the gold sneakers. <laughs> it's just, wow. Uh, when Civil War, when Civil War II starts, they'll, we'll be able to see them in the woods with their gold shoes and red hats. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh just hilarious and the sheep with the gold shoes on and the red hats <laughs> but uh and then uh, liz cheney says it here down this path of cowardice and doing what donald trump and, and vladimir putin want him to do well you say doing what donald trump wants him to do donald trump has not responded directly at all to navalny's death last night he was attacking prosecutors at his rally in michigan he's posted dozens of times on his truth social media app calling biden incompetent president so it's not as though he hasn't been speaking. Um, this is the likely Republican presidential nominee, Donald Trump. How do you feel about the fact that he has not said one word about Navalny? He's had harsher words uh, about Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, than he has had about Vladimir Putin. Right. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, you know, Donald Trump, as you pointed out, uh, said just a few days ago that uh, he had he had told a NATO ally that he would encourage Putin to do whatever he needed to do, whatever he wanted to do. Uh, he, he's basically made clear that uh, under a Trump administration, uh, the United States is unlikely to keep its NATO commitments. And I think that Republicans uh, who understand the importance of the national security situation, who continue to support him, are similarly going to be held to account. You know, when you think about Donald Trump, for example, pledging retribution, um, what Vladimir Putin did to Navalny is what retribution looks like in a country where the leader is not subject to the rule of law. Um, and, and I think that we have to take Donald Trump very seriously. We have to take seriously the extent to which, um, you know, you've now got a Putin wing of the Republican Party. Uh, I believe the issue this election cycle is making sure the Putin wing of the Republican Party does not take over the West Wing of the White House. That's right. Um, as you know, Donald Trump is standing by his comments uh, about that anecdote where he told the NATO ally you know, that if they don't pay the correct percentage of their GDP on defense, that he would tell Russia to do whatever the hell they want to them. Um, what was your response to that when you heard that? Um, it, it is, it's dangerous. It shows a complete lack of understanding of, of uh, America's role in the world. It's disgraceful. I can't imagine any other American president of either party since the establishment of NATO saying such a thing. Um, it's completely uninformed and ignorant and dangerous. NATO, in my view, is the most successful alliance probably in the history of the world. And the extent to which, because of American leadership, we have been able to lead those free nations of Europe, we've been able to guarantee security, but we've been able to deter exactly the kind of uh, uh, thing that we're seeing happen today in Ukraine, because NATO members know, and because our adversaries know, that if there's going to be an invasion of a NATO country, we'll, we'll come to their aid. We will all come to each other's aid. And I think one of the things that is so... Uh, misguided about this current debate, people like J.D. Vance and others who suggest that we should just uh, abandon the Ukrainians, is if Putin wins in Ukraine, he's telling us, he's saying, you know, the Baltics are next, Poland is next, NATO member countries will be next. If, mm -hmm. if Putin wins in Ukraine, the security system, and he knows this, the security structures that have maintained peace and security and freedom since the end of World War II um, will begin to, to unravel. Amen. She's absolutely Amen. right. And that Putin wing. Amen. That Putin wing that she was talking about was the people at CPAC. Yeah. Right? You know, if I could say this real quick, Tim, 
it, it's like this. If you're on the playground, right? Like if you're six years old, like say I'm six years old, I'm on the playground, right? And and uh, there's a bully and he's picking on me and he's he beats me up or whatever. It's like, well, then the logical course of action is to like try to form alliances with other folks on the playground to, to stand up create a coalition to to so like when the bully like like tries to fight me again it's like oh you're not just fighting Seth you're fighting like these other people the six other people or right. 10 other people or whatever it's like that's just logical i mean that's what you do that's how right. you survive you know it's nuts yep well i mean it's just like i was saying the thing is that see C- the people she's talking about with CPAC, they were they opened the conference talking about how the their main goal was to overthrow democracy. That is nuts. That is that nuts, is crazy. right? And NBC News interviewed this woman that was an attendee at CPAC and completely ignored the fact that she was convicted of attacking a police officer on January sixth. Whoa, that is nuts. I, I didn't know that. That's crazy. This is this is the both sidesism we're talking about. Jeez. I mean, they're t- interviewing her like she's just this normal attendee, you know. Oh my gosh! We have we we have roundtables at least twice a week, and we invite MAGA people and supposed independents in, and hmm. we never fail. As we get that one person talking about, we need to take democracy is outdated. We need to tear it down. But when we ask them, so what government do you know that does not have a government? And it actually existed. They cannot say it, but mm. they want to burn it down. Exactly. Mm. Yep. Yep. Well, it's just like Rachel had a whole thing on that on Monday. I mean, there was. I mean, their whole goal is to is to call a constitutional convention and dramatically rewrite the constitution, and to make this a Christo fascist nation. That's their goal. So. You know, I don't. I don't even think they'll uh, they'll succeed with that because, like, well, I don't even feel like they have clear goals in mind. They have a charter. I don't feel like if they were to try to write it down, what what would that look like? They well, don't this, know. These are the people behind Project Twenty Twenty Five. That's their goal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Is they're just gonna you know use the Insurrection Act to basically expand the powers of the executive branch and just basically ignore the courts, do whatever they want, you know. Strong arm Congress into into doing basically becoming, uh, uh, you know what DeSantis had in Florida, you know just a rubber stamp for anything he wants. You I know? hear you, but I'm saying burning books and stuff isn't policy. It doesn't it doesn't keep the trains on time. It doesn't do all the things that you need to do with government. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can hate all the things you want to hate, and I get that. That's 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 their basis. But what is their plan? And they don't have one. And I feel like we're all on the same page with that. Yep. Yep. But and it makes them feel good. What's that, T? That's all they're focused on. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And and I saw several people post on Facebook and said if they want to turn this into a crystal fascist nation, what what about those of us that aren't Christ, don't are atheists or aren't aren't don't practice re- religion? And somebody replied, The re education camps. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's what they want. So, but anyway, Alice Stewart was on CNN talking about Trump comparing himself to Navalny. Navalny died a hero just as he lived. Donald Trump is afraid to stand up to Putin. Donald Trump's statement here is stupid, it is self-serving, and it is wrong. Look, Navalny stood up to Putin, and now with his death, there is no mistaking, there is no question that 
Vladimir Putin has blood on his hands. What this reminds us, this doesn't, as Donald Trump says, this doesn't remind us what's happening in our country. What this reminds us of is that Vladimir Putin is a brutal dictator. We're seeing bipartisan comments from people on both sides of the aisle here in Washington that saying he is a bloodthirsty tyrant and this type of behavior should not be tolerated. There's one person responsible, it's Putin. And for Donald Trump, to fail to acknowledge that, that just goes to show that he is afraid to stand up to Putin. Yep. As soon as I saw that Trump compared himself to Navalny, I, my first immediate response was, of course he did. That's what a narcissist does. Makes everything about himself. Right? Seth, what yeah. was your thought when you heard that? Oh, well, a couple things. It's like, all right, the thing about Navalny is he's he's better than Putin, but he's not as good as Biden. You know, I mean, and the reason why I say that is because he, Navalny, I, I mean, I really respect the fact that he stood up to the notion of corruption in, in, in Russia. And that's amazing. And mm -hmm. that is awesome. And it's like, I'm so glad that he did that. He is a, he, he was really an asset to the world for doing that. And he, he put his life on the line and he paid Absolutely. the ultimate sacrifice for that's that. Right. And that's amazing. And that's really, really good. Um, but he was also, you know, a Russian nationalist. So, you know, you have to, like, kind of take that into account. But the thing is, you know, Trump and Navalny aren't anywhere close together uh, mm -hmm. by any means. You know, it's like it's like Trump is a, is a self-serving narcissist and Navalny actually – I mean, he cared about Russia. He cared about corruption. He wanted the best for the people. He didn't want, like, the dictator-type – government that they have with Putin. And for that, he should be completely commended. And he gave the ultimate sacrifice. And that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And well, yeah. I heard that Putin yeah. already put out an arrest warrant for his brother. I, I'm not surprised. And, 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 yeah. I, and, and his daughter, I mean, his wife was here, you know, in San Francisco and to meet with Biden because his daughter goes to college there. So, yeah. but I mean, I hope that <laughs> when I saw that, I said, I hope that, uh, that Biden offers them asylum <laughs> to stay in the States because if they go back to Russia, they're targets. Yeah. You know, so. and, and we need people. We need people to speak up against. We need Russians. We need people who are from Russia to speak out against Putin to help carry the message. You right. know? Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah. All right. So anyway, uh, and then uh, uh, David Jolly was on with Alicia Menendez. Oh, by the way, Nicole Wallace is coming back on Monday. Woohoo! Yay. Yep. Uh, I love Deadline White House. Uh, but uh, uh, David Jolly's had this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Alicia, because the leader has followers. And I think there's a unique shamefulness to see Mike Turner, Tim Scott, Lindsey Graham, and others engage in this type of apologism, if you will, for their own political interest to face plant on the knee of Donald Trump. They do it very well from Graham to Scott to Mike Turner to Lee Stefanik, name them. There's a, there's a unique shamefulness to it. I think what we also can't overlook, though, and this is a little bit in what we see from Mike Turner there, is the orthodoxy of the Republican Party has shifted over mm -hmm. the decades. I don't believe the Republican Party today sees Russia as an adversary. I don't believe they see Vladimir Putin as uniquely evil. And that is a pivot from GOP orthodoxy. And I think what is so uh, fascinating about that, as, as concerning as it is, sure, there are national security interests for the U.S. and the West to no longer see Donald Trump as an adversary or see Vladimir Putin as an adversary if, if Republicans take control or if Donald Trump ends up in the White House. The flip side of that coin is the embrace of American weakness. 
If you think about the challenge between the United States and Russia and the fall of the Soviet Union over the decades, it was about the strength of America and the contest of ideas to protect individual liberty, to defend democracy, to protect a republic. We championed that on the world stage, and that is why the contest was so strong and Russia was seen as an adversary. Today's Republican Party has embraced American weakness. They are okay looking the other way and giving equity to Vladimir Putin and Russia. And that's not just a pivot of orthodoxy. That's a new chapter of republicanism, this chapter of American weakness that they are willing to run on. Hopefully voters do see a distinction there. Let's hope so. Right? Let's hope I hope so, too, but I don't know, to be honest with you. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like... I think about my mom a lot, you know, it's like my mom was a delegate for Reagan for North Carolina in 1980, you know, and that's why I grew up in a very Republican conservative household. And so I know all I used to think I knew understood them. I used to think I understood them. And um, and it, it's so strange because it's like what was conservative when I was a child and the way I was brought up, my conservative super hyper conservative family is different now mm-hmm. and it's so strange and i don't even know i don't know what to make of it did honestly. you did mm-hmm. you see that clip of from jimmy kimmel where they interviewed the, the trump voters in south carolina and they asked him they 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 said things that trump said and and asked them if uh and told them what did you think about biden saying this and then the the it was ridiculous. I mean, there's this one lady. Uh, well, what do you think about Biden saying that you know we should shine a light in the body uh, because of or to get rid of COVID, eradicate COVID? And she's like, oh, it's just terrible how how senile that man is. How 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 he's lost his brain, you know, lost his his all his consciousness. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, that was Donald Trump. And her response was, well, you know, there's new technologies. We would really have to look into what he wow. had to say. Yeah, you know, it's, it's amazing. No, you're. Hum- right i like i can't get my head around it it's nuts <laughs> absolutely nuts i mean it's just crazy crazy yeah. so anyway and then uh, morning joe uh called out the freaks weirdos and insurrectionists of the gop donald trump finally addressed the tragedy yesterday and made it about himself mm-hmm. in a social media post the likely 2024 republican presidential nominee compared navalny's death to his own situation, writing in part, quote, the sudden death of Alexei Navalny has made me more and more aware of what is happening in our country, adding, quote, we are a nation in decline, a failing nation, MAGA 2024. So he made it about himself and his campaign. Notably absent from Trump's message were any condolences to Navalny's family and no condemnation of the man most believed to be responsible for his death. And that would be, of course, Russian President Vladimir Putin. Uh, a lot to get to on this. There's been a lot of reaction to Donald Trump yeah. on on this, and not everybody is falling in line. I think well, no. it's almost, it's a little bit jarring to hear well, him talk this it, way. It, I hope it is. It is jarring. We, we, we're actually seeing a continued part of a process. And process began in 2015 when Donald Trump, uh, there was just something wrong. Donald Trump would come on our show. He'd go on other shows. I know we talked to Bill O'Reilly, and it was a constant defense of Vladimir Putin. It was 
It was it was this this love of Vladimir Putin and this fear, this 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 absolute fear of ever crossing him and led him in 2015 to say that Vladimir Putin was a strong leader, a great leader, that, that you not when I when I brought up that he killed journalists yeah. and, and political opponents. He shrugged. He shrugged and said, We kill people too, Joe. And he continued doing that. We've seen now, it's hard to believe, but we've seen now other members of the Republican Party uh, ape that line. And there is, uh, there is right now uh, a connection. Donald Trump, Viktor Orban in Hungary, an anti-West uh, uh, thug that runs Hungary, and Vladimir Putin. And, and you've, you've seen the Trump right move in that direction. And it is just absolutely frightening and jarring. And unlike anything we've seen in domestic politics, uh, that, that major figures are now going to the side that, well, people who consider America enemies. And the Wall Street Journal uh, editor-at-large, Gerard Baker, wrote about this uh, in, to this morning in a piece titled, The Moral Blindness of Putin's Apologist on the Right. And he writes in part, the only response of all decent people to the death of Alexei Navalny, the brave critic of Vladimir Putin's regime in a Siberian prison camp, mm. is grief, disgust, and unqualified condemnation. It is a sort of event that defines the malevolent nature of Mr. Putin's Russia. But that sort of decency evidently was above the moral reach of some of the more prominent leaders of what used to be the conservative movement. Newt Gingrich saw a parallel that many others highlighted. Navalny's, quote, death in prison is a brutal reminder that jailing your political opponents is inhumane and a violation of every principle of a free society, he tweeted. Mr. Biden isn't Vladimir Putin. Mr. Biden doesn't invade. Newt then, of course, compared Vladimir oh. Putin to Joe Biden. Uh-huh. Of course he did. Which is just so mm. grotesque. It's just beyond grotesque. I keep waiting for Newt to grow out of this. Good. I he really do. a long time. I really yeah. do. And he just, he's Not incapable. He compares Biden to Vladimir Putin, to which Gerard Baker writes, Mr. Biden isn't Vladimir Putin. Mr. Biden doesn't invade neighbors on a false pretext, killing indiscriminately. He doesn't make people who have fallen into disfavor, fall from the windows of tall buildings. Has he note? Has he note? Mm -mm. Why do you lie? Why do you keep lying for Donald Trump? Amen. Amen. We have it right there. Yeah, the man who gave his life, he's been serving in Congress uh, and, and, and in some roles since 1971. Mm. You know, I mean, the most experienced president we've ever had who's gotten more stuff done than any other president since FDR, and 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 they're talking comparing him to 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 Putin. That's nuts. It's just now I want to say something because it's my birthday, and I'm 52 <laughs> years old, and I want to say something about reflections on life. I've made mistakes, and I'm not the same person. My ideas, my values, everything is different than it was when I was say 10 years old. Right. 15 years old, 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old. I've changed. Well, I've evolved. And I would like to think that I'm a better person now than I was then. You know what I'm saying? And um, and I had and, and it's, it's fair to say that I had some crappy ideas when I was a young person. 
and my, I eventually I learned through experience and education and my interactions with other people, and I became a, a better person. I became a better person not because of myself, but because of my interactions with other people. They taught me. You know what I'm saying? I'm so grateful to all the people that taught me. And and, and what I'm saying to tie this into Joe Biden is, is like, he was kind of crappy too early in his life. But that doesn't mean he's crappy now. You know what I'm saying? He learned. Mm-hmm. I learned. People learn. People learn. Like, like, just because we made bad decisions a long time ago doesn't mean we haven't evolved. We, we're not better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and Joe Biden... He, he, you know, he's evolved and I like the person he is right now yep. and I support the person he is now. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I posted a, a, a meme I saw on Facebook of, of uh, uh, Linus holding a sign with Charlie Brown and it said, I'd vote for Joe Biden even if he shot Trump on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> 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 That's right. So, all right. So, Joe, does that chip for the clown car? Uh, uh, Michael Cohen was on with uh, Ali Vilshi. The arguments in the E. Jean Carroll, the latest judgment, was uh, how much money is it going to take to cause Donald Trump to stop? Right. Um, in this particular case, this was a disgorgement. This is money that 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 is been determined that he defrauded uh, the taxpayers of New York. What changes Donald Trump's behavior? Does $500 million change Donald Trump's behavior? Because uh, according to Truth Social, nothing changes his behavior. He just keeps on posting the same stuff about how it's all... What else is he supposed to do at this point? There's now a judgment against him for over $500 million, not including the $88.6 million he's going to owe to E. Jean Carroll. It's an enormous amount of money that he does not have. I don't care what anybody wants to write in any newspaper, regardless of what their credentials may be, unless he's going to show you that his bank account has more than a half a million. He doesn't have 400 million of cash on hand. Maybe what he's doing is he's including RNC money or he's including the PAC money or he's including the various different condominium money that's sitting in CapEx accounts that they do not belong to him. Right. Those don't belong to him either. He has a very interesting way of looking at money. And the way he looks at it is, if his name is somehow attached to that... It's available. It's available to him. It is not. Right. And he doesn't have it. They're going to have to start liquidating assets. Uh, Yeah, and that becomes the issue. He's got assets worth, we think, more than half a billion dollars. He does. But but cash is going to be the issue. Now, I do want to say this also, something people aren't taking into consideration. When those assets are sold... Because Donald Trump has had them since 1980 and he acquired them for either like 40 Wall Street for one million dollars or parking lots, restaurants, uh, commercial space that he owns here in the city. He acquired those as the developer of the property. He has a zero basis in those properties when he sells them. He has to pay taxes on them, just as anybody else. Mm -hmm. And depending upon his tax bracket, remember, you have city, state, and federal tax. That also doesn't include whether or not this case is now going to be sent to the IRS. Which we we believe that uh, Tish James has sent it both to the federal investigators. Wow. Joe. (laughs) Uh You know, I think he's going to have to have a sale. Yeah, somebody's (laughs) going to have to have a sale. The world is in the people, and that means one thing and one thing only. I can save you money. It's our 2020. Do you want a brand new house? How about the White House? 
used to cost you 270 electoral votes. Now, only $12.95. We went down crazy cows to buy ourselves a used car. And we ended up with an army tank. Tanks, jetliners, the Lincoln Memorial, Mount Rushmore, Japan, the Grand Canyon. At Crazy Cows, we can sell you anything. Except for the solution to our crisis of what's destroying our world due to global warming, <laughs> wars, and anger. But we got Snuggies. <laughs> Lots of Snuggies. We went down to Crazy Cows and bought ourselves a fishing boat, wound up with a cruise ship. <laughs> Another satisfied customer. And remember, no credit, no problem. Pay back whatever you can. If you even get a chance to pay it back, <laughs> we're all gonna die. So buy from Crazy Cows today. <laughs> we're selling like there's no tomorrow. Because literally, is there is no actual tomorrow. <laughs> Crazy Cows is kind of important. I'm just off the 85 between the gaping black hole in the ground and the zombie wasteland. There you go. <laughs> there you go, Joe. <laughs> Are you ready for the Trump Monster Madness Mega MAGA sale going on right now at our soon-to-close location at Trump Tower, 725 Fifth Avenue in New York City. You won't believe the Mega MAGA items you can have at Mega MAGA prices. Everything must go. Trump needs cash, and that means Mega MAGA deals for you on one-of-a-kind merchandise. Bold and high-top sneakers, limited quantity each numbered 1 through 100,000, and randomly having the odor of Donald Trump's feet starting at three ninety nine ninety nine. These gems are handcrafted by forced child labor in our factories in downtown Beijing. Golden commodes, used exclusively by Donald Trump himself, with some original fudge stains. These beauties are the real deal, guaranteed to have taken at least one dump by our favorite commoder-in-chief himself. Bidding starts at nine ninety nine ninety nine. Love letters written by Trump to foreign dictators in Trump's genuine handwriting. These letters are one of a kind and are certified authentic. Kisses to Kim Jong-un, ass smacks to Vladimir Putin, and hickeys given to Viktor Orban. Each letter has Trump's own spit DNA used to seal the envelopes. Bidding starts at $10,000. Rolls of toilet paper woven in gold with the original text of the U.S. Constitution written on each sheet. This is the very Constitution Donald Trump wiped his ass with every day he was in office. Bidding starts at $4.99 a case. An additional $99.99 for breakfast burrito stains. <laughs> Classified documents, all original, stored for years in Mar-a-Lago restrooms. Nuclear launch codes, military attack plans for Iran. <laughs> names of CIA and MI5 agents actively in the field. And much, much more. Eileen Cannon can only delay this trial for so long, so don't delay. For security purposes, the bidding on these items is limited to Russian intelligence services only. So don't miss out on this once-in-a-lifetime offer from Donald Trump to any sucker who has fallen for all his past cons. These items are only available because Trump has run out of cash and owes New York $500 million. So make his desperation your opportunity to find your treasure at the Trump Monster Madness Mega Mega Sale. This week only. All sales final. Donald Trump does not guarantee all items to be as advertised or that they will even be shipped. Of course he didn't. Classified documents mentioned in this ad are meant like to help Vladimir shoes. Putin only. Anyone representing themselves as FBI or from the special counsel's office will be disqualified. Offers void where the Espionage Act is applicable. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, he's hit his spot on there, man. <laughs> yep. He's going to have a blowout sale, man. <laughs> and I, I loved when Tish James came out and she says, 
Oh, we will. We will. We got our eyes on Forty Wall Street. <laughs> yep, love it. Oh, I want to see. Oh, I so want to see her seize his his seven fifty seven and sell it. <laughs> I want to see who's going to post the bond for him. Right? Nobody. Probably Putin. He, probably he can't, Elon he can't. Musk. Maybe who knows? You're right. I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> right there. I, I don't think Elon Musk is. He's too greedy to give Trump his money. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just exactly. I mean, he can't borrow money from any bank that's incorporated or does business in New York. Mm-hmm. So who does that leave? Saudi, <laughs> Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, that's the problem. Russia. Because he very well could get the money from the Saudi Arabians, and then, <laughs> God forbid, he were elected president. Think of what he owes them. Right. Exactly. Well, I have a feeling he probably owes them some money anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Already, but. We just don't know about yeah. it. But anyway, uh, Joy Reid had a little fun poking at him. There's a crash. I hope it's going to be during this next 12 months because I don't want to be Herbert Hoover. The one president, I just don't want to be Herbert Hoover. <laughs> okay, okay. That was Donald Trump actively rooting against the well-being of this country and the American people, saying he hopes the economy crashes this year because he, quote, doesn't want to be Herbert Hoover. Well, Trump got his wish. A new poll out today shows that he is not Herbert Hoover. He's actually way, way worse. The poll of historians and scholars ranks every president in U.S. history from best to worst. And while Herbert Hoover received the 36th spot, Trump is ranked dead last at 45. Behind the likes of Richard Nixon, Franklin Pierce, even William Henry Harrison, who died 31 days after taking office. Joining me now is NBC News presidential historian Michael Beschloss. Michael, you got to be pretty terrible to be ranked below James Buchanan, uh, Civil War failure, uh, pre-Civil War failure, and a guy who only lived for 31 days as president. Your thoughts? Yeah, I'd say so. And Richard Nixon, who would have been impeached and probably put in jail if it weren't for a pardon by Gerald Ford, don't you think? I have to begin yeah, by... Asking, am I actually getting to talk to the number one New York Times bestselling author of <laughs> Medgar and Murley as of this week? Wow. Everyone give their congratulations <laughs> to Joy. That's not an <laughs> easy you. thing to do, and the book deserves it. Thank you. And I think it was your blurb. I think your blurb did it. I do. I do believe oh, that's no. what did it. Um, I wish. Glad to take the credit, uh, but it doesn't deserve it. Thank you so much, Michael. I appreciate you. You are a good friend. You are a good guy. Um, well, let's talk. Let's talk about these rankings. I'm obsessed with these rankings, by the way. I cannot wait for them I to come out too. every year. I don't know if you're on this committee, but I'm obsessed with it. No, I'm here not. are the top ten. You're not on it. Well, here are the top ten: Abraham Lincoln, who always ranks up the top. Usually, George Washington sure. here are the top. FDR moving up into number two. He moved up. Yep. Jefferson's still there, despite the gulag with an enslaved person under his bedroom. His right. bedroom. Barack Obama jumps up to number seven. Harry Truman, Eisenhower, Kennedy standing up there at ten. Lyndon Johnson at nine. Do you agree with these rankings? Uh, I'd have some differences. It's hard to. Compare presidents across the generations. You know, they all had different problems, different times. They were living at times that certain ideas were more important uh, than others. I mean, for instance, Theodore Roosevelt, I don't know when when historians are going to wake up to the fact that the guy used terribly racist rhetoric, very white supremacist. The 1912 uh, Theodore Roosevelt Progressive Party Bull Moose platform was for segregation of the races in America. So I'm not sure how long that's going to stick. There's a crash. I hope it's going to be during this. I'm still having that repeat problem, but. 
But yeah, I mean, that's it. That, that, I, when I saw that he came out and ranked as the worst president by the presidential historians, I was just like, there you have it right there, man. <laughs> it's not crazy, though. I mean, it's, it's like, true. It's like people are like, oh, you know, you just you just hate Trump or whatever. It's like, no, really. If you look, if you break down the numbers, it's like it's really hard to impeach a president. And the fact that this guy got impeached twice that's the thing it's real you know it's like uh, like they tried to impeach biden and that's going nowhere well and And he thinks you you just can't impeach people arbitrarily is what i'm saying well he also thinks that um that you know the 40 percent of the republicans that aren't voting for him in the primaries are just going to get in line and vote for him in the general (laughs) i don't think that's true i think he's i think he's worn out his welcome i mean I really do. And this whole thing about him putting Lara Trump in charge of the RNC so she can pay all his legal bills. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the abortion and the IVF stuff is just going to tank. Oh, absolutely. And I, I'm not trying to be optimistic or unrealistic or, or whatever. I, I, I just don't think that resonates with people. Like, well, you, you know, saw what JoJo and Jar said. To, yeah. She said, you've underestimated women for the last fucking time. Yes. Yes, I mean, yeah, exactly, a thousand percent. It's like, you know, it's like, and the, and the weird thing about it is, is like, this isn't a real issue. It's like, you know, people talk about abortion like it's some sort of religious thing. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's not. Because back in the time of, uh, you know, to, you know, zero BC or whatever, it's like, if there was a, a you know, they had infanticide because, you know, kids were like massively deformed and and that was like better for the family and the tribe and all this and that and you would leave them and you you know what i'm saying it's like selective breeding is not new it's it's been around since the dawn of time and it's like that's the way humans have been able to become humans and progress through the generations and through life well it's it's not that's mean why, that's why the royal family has so many health problems because they keep um, marrying their cousins <laughs> there you go right. yeah. yeah i mean selective reading isn't mean it's just a natural course of how do we survive you know what i'm saying and it's like so republicans are going against the very nature of survival sorry republicans but yeah that's not going to fly you know exactly exactly but here's the thing here's the thing that they keep forgetting every time they wave around the big bible uh there's something in there called bitter waters where you drink it and then the child goes away the embryo drops out of you but they Mm -hmm. seem to be forgetting that as soon as someone brings in religion when i ask them that Make it very, very quiet. Like, well, no, no, no. That doesn't mean. Yeah, yep. It means exactly what I said, and you know it. Did you see Lee, so, T? Did you see the video of Jordan Klepper asking the one lady who was the anti-abortion? She's holding a sign saying that all, all uh, life at conception is God wants all, all protects all, all life. <laughs> and he he asked her. He goes, "You do realize that God killed all the Egyptians firstborn, right?" And she just sort of sits there, and then she goes, "Okay, I'm done." <laughs> there you go. There you go. Right. And then they were talking about this, you know, this Alabama Supreme Court justice that that was talking about how old oh, that they decided this this whole thing about the IVF uh, based on 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 the Bible. Well, the Bible. If you look at the Bible, the Bible says that life begins when a baby takes its first breath. Mm. That's why Catholics don't baptize stillborn babies. 
So, I mean, so it's just ridiculous. The, you know, it's not Christianity. It's 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 just stupid. So, but, yeah, it, it, you know, it's funny you say that because we haven't really touched on the IVF thing, and that's like a whole ass massive thing of the week. But it's so ridiculous. It's like, how do you even touch it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, and then uh, MJ Lee, who's the uh, White House correspondent for CNN, was reporting on uh, what Trump or what uh, Biden's telling his campaign to do. President Biden is ordering his campaign to get far more aggressive when it comes to his likely opponent. This brand new reporting from CNN's MJ Lee is that Biden personally instructed his top campaign aides recently to spend even more time painting Trump as unhinged and calling out his inflammatory rhetoric. Mm -hmm. Two sources tell MJ that the thrust of Biden's instruction was to significantly ramp up the campaign's efforts to highlight the crazy shit (laughs) that that Trump says in public. CNN's MJ Lee is at the White House. I guess I can say the S word, but maybe too early, on the West Coast at least. (laughs) MJ? Yeah, Dana, you know, I think this reporting gives us some interesting insight into how the president himself uh, personally views his campaign strategy. What I was told by sources is, as you said, uh, President Biden instructing personally some of his top campaign aides to essentially be even more aggressive in highlighting uh, some of Trump's most inflammatory and wild comments. You know, it's not a secret at all, obviously, that the Biden campaign believes it is critical uh, to draw these black and white contrasts between Biden and Trump as they see it uh, when it comes to even their temperament, their worldviews, their policies. Uh, But as the Biden campaign uh, makes this full pivot to the general election, it's clear that Biden himself believes that it is critical to paint uh, the former president as being unhinged and simply unfit uh, for office. And I think we've seen the Biden campaign and the president himself uh, take those opportunities more aggressively in recent weeks uh, when it comes to, uh, for example, going after the former president's comments about NATO or going after his Mm -hmm. uh, mocking of Nikki Haley's husband, who is currently serving abroad. And when Mm -hmm. I reached out to the campaign for comment for this story, this is a part of what the campaign's uh, rapid response director said in a statement to us. Uh, He said Donald Trump is the polar opposite of everything President Biden stands for and has accomplished since he took office. And the campaign's top priority over the next nine months will be laying out that stark choice for voters. Uh, One bit of context, Anna, that I do think is important is that Biden campaign advisors uh, have been concerned that so many voters seem to have sort of forgotten about some of the moments from the Trump presidency that they see as sort of outrageous and unacceptable. Uh, This is sort of the rose-colored glasses effect that they are concerned about, and they are determined to try to fix that uh, heading into November by highlighting all of these examples. Forgotten or maybe um, become numb to. Yep, exactly. We can't become numb to it. They need to make ads. The Biden campaign should have ads on TV just pointing out all this stupid shit he's saying. Mm. You know, point out the fact, point out yeah. them, play the clip of him taking credit for overturning Roe v. Wade on a loop. Yep, Exactly. You know, play the clip of him cozying up to Vladimir Putin and Kim Jong-un, you know, his love letter to Kim Jong-un. And excuse me, but the media um, people need to remember how they were um, called um, enemies of the state, how he um, gave them all kinds of cute nicknames and denigrated. They have forgotten Mm because that stuff can come back around. Yep. 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 Yeah. And then uh, um, Dan Goldman was on uh, with uh, Anderson Cooper 
talking about uh, um, Comer Pyle <laughs> mm. <laughs> and the FBI informant. Ooh. With us now is New York Democratic Congressman Dan Goldman, who served as Democratic counsel during the former president's first impeachment inquiry. First of all, Congressman, what is your reaction to this revelation from the special counsel David Wise? Well, it's pretty shocking, and especially what it means that has been going on for the last four years, which is that wittingly or unwittingly, House Republicans have been acting as an agent or an asset of Russian intelligence for Vladimir Putin. That's right. Uh, This whole Burisma thing was debunked during the first impeachment investigation in 2019 by numerous, numerous witnesses, all of whom experts on Ukraine and Russia. And now this, this 1023 material materializes from a purported conversation in 2020 that is treated as gospel by the Republicans. And I would like to know whether or not Senator Grassley, who had a copy of this 1023 before the FBI ever gave it, or Chairman Comer or Chairman Jordan, all of whom were singing the praises of this, uh, the information provided by this source, had any idea whether or not it was completely bogus and was in fact a plant by Russian intelligence, which has been trying to meddle somewhat successfully in our elections since 2016. You're talking about a 1023. That's where this information initially was reported in, correct? Yes, it's a report of a uh, interview that a, a confidential human source will provide to his handlers at the FBI to explain uh, the conversations or the information that he has gathered. The FBI then writes it down very meticulously so they know exactly what he said. That 1023 is the only evidence, the only evidence that the Republicans and the House, uh, as part of this impeachment inquiry, have related to these Burisma bribery allegations. And they pushed to get that, that information out Chairman to the public. Jordan. Absolutely, they did. Oh, they, they pushed incredibly hard. And Chairman Jordan and Chairman Comer have said that this is the best evidence they have of misconduct by President Biden. In fact, it is no evidence. It is just simply evidence that the Republicans are willing to be used as assets of Russian intelligence, just like Donald Trump was in 2016 and throughout his presidency when he went to uh, a press conference in Helsinki and chose Vladimir Putin's word over his own intelligence community. That is who we are dealing with. It is now a pervasive disease that has gone through the entire Republican Party, and it needs to be excised immediately. So what do you see happening now? I mean, do you think any of this will actually cause Republicans to abandon the impeachment inquiry? Because Comer, the chairman, indicated in the interview last week that the House may not actually hold a vote to impeach the president after his committee releases its report because, quote, the math keeps getting worse. Right. (laughs) Well, look, before this revelation that the one source, the one person with information uh, related to Burisma and any bribery uh, happens to be completely fabricated and and as a a Russian intelligence scheme, this this investigation was going nowhere. It was uh, being debunked right, left and center by every single witness that had come in. Uh, It was almost laughable at this point that it was still an ongoing investigation. Now, this should put the nail in the coffin. 
because not only is there no evidence of any wrongdoing by President Biden, but it now appears as if the House Republican majority is being used by Russia to interfere in the 2024 election Mm -hmm. on behalf of Donald Trump. If they continue with this investigation, they are simply doing the work of Vladimir Putin to help Donald Trump win an election in November. That's where we are. With us now is New York Democratic Congressman Dan. That's right. That's exactly right. You know, I mean, literally, their their whole case fizzled in front of their eyes because they were being used by Russia. You know, I mean, and and oh, oh, what do you think about that, Julius and Ethel Rosenstein? Oh, Rosen. Oh, oh, wait. (laughs) Yep. It just it just dissolved, like you said. It just disappeared. Yep. I mean, and it was very like not really that. There wasn't that much evidence, and the very little evidence they thought they had just disintegrated. You know, it's like. Yeah. It, it's like I said before. It's hard to impeach a president because you gotta have you gotta have something, you know, substantial. And the fact that Donald Trump got impeached twice was because there was like legit substantial stuff there, you know. And it, it's like it doesn't matter who has the control of the house or not. It's like, it's like in order to get enough people to get to impeachment, there has to be evidence. There has to be something. Right. And, and there wasn't nothing. that with Biden, but there was. There, but that that happened twice with Trump is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, this is it. Trump is desperate to to get an impeachment on the record for Biden so that he can he then is say super desperate. Yeah. So he can then say, oh, he was impeached too. You know, and they and they impeached Mayorkas, which went nowhere for what reason? Like nobody had any evidence, right? But they had the votes, but they didn't have the evidence, and well, it's like it doesn't change anything because the guy's still doing the job. He's still working, right? Well, it, yeah, of course, it, it was all because Trump told him to, you know. Yep. I mean, and they had to wait till Judy Chu got COVID, so she couldn't be there to have enough votes to actually impeach him. Yeah, you know, there's that. So <laughs> I mean, if if Representative Judy Chu was there, they would have it would have been tied again. So, but anyway, Joy Reid was calling out Trump. Donald Trump has long suffered from delusions of grandeur. When it comes to his mounting legal issues, he likes to portray himself as a martyr, a victim of political persecution. Just a few months ago, he was comparing himself to a truly historic figure. I'll tell you what, I don't mind being Nelson Mandela because I'm doing it for a reason. I'm doing it for a reason. Uh, doing it for a reason. We got to save our country from these fascists, these lunatics that we're dealing with. They're horrible people. Nope, 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 nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Now, I could easily go into the countless ways that Trump is nothing like Mandela. Nope. But who has the nope. time? And just last night, Trump made yet another inapt comparison. Trump doubled down on his comparison of his criminal and civil prosecutions, including the most recent $355 million civil penalty to the circumstances of Russian dissident Alexei Navalny, the top political opponent to Trump's autocratic pal, Russian President Vladimir Putin, whose name Trump never uttered. Even if, if you appeal, you've got to put up escrow money. That's uh, it's a lot it of dough. It is a no. form of Navalny. It is a form of... Uh, communism or fascism. Navalny is a very sad situation, and he's very brave. He was a very brave guy. It's a horrible thing, but it's happening in our country, too. Uh, We are turning into a communist country in many ways, and if you look at it, I'm the leading candidate. I got indicted. I never heard of being indicted before. 
What in the gobbledygook? <laughs> Navalny's death in a Russian prison was announced last week. He had been imprisoned since his return to Russia in January 2021 after surviving a near-fatal poisoning months earlier. Whatever Trump said makes absolutely no sense. Absolutely. He'd never heard of being indicted before. <laughs> look for. Oh. I've never been to court before. <laughs> oh, well, maybe you should call up uh, Marjorie Ta- Taylor Greene to explain to you what indicted means. And <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And oh, then, my God. I live in Georgia. She's a congressperson in my state, and I'm so fucking embarrassed. I'm like, it's oh the my worst. God. Oh, did you see the picture of her reading, supposedly reading the Bible? <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> With the crosses on the wall and all this stuff, <laughs> and the, the 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 meme said, "When you have to have someone take a picture of you reading the Bible." <laughs> right, right. No, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm gonna look for it because that yeah. sounds crazy. Well, my reply oh my was, god, "She's, she's not reading the Bible; she's reading Mein Kampf." <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fair. fair. <laughs> so, but anyway, mm-hmm. Lawrence O'Donnell. I saw uh, this one went uh, viral on uh, social media this week uh, because Lawrence O'Donnell called out these people saying that they're going to have to get somebody to to stand in for, for Biden because uh, he's too old. Everyone who says Joe Biden should drop and for the purposes of this discussion I am only referring to the people who want the Democrats to win. Every one of those people who say Joe Biden should drop out must now say exactly who the nominee should be and none of them do. Right. None of them say that. Some of them suggest a long string of names of possibilities. That list always includes Gavin Newsom. And so you would think that in their articles and their comments on podcasts and TV, they would show you all of those polls where Gavin Newsom polls better than Joe Biden against Donald Trump. There must be so many of those polls, but there aren't any. The most recent poll substituting other Democratic names for Biden against Donald Trump, including it included only Vice President Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom. It's an Emerson poll that is now 10 days old. Donald Trump was polling at 45 against Joe Biden at 44. Substituting Kamala Harris as the candidate produced a result of Donald Trump polling at 46 against Vice President Harris at 43. And substituting Gavin Newsom's name produced an even worse result with Trump polling at 46 and Gavin Newsom polling at 36. 36. Gavin Newsom might not know how to run a presidential campaign, but he knows how to read polls. You would think with the way the media obsessed over every poll it can find that they would have noticed these polls. And how does today's poll from Quinnipiac fit in the dump Biden strategy? A national poll by Quinnipiac shows Joe Biden at 49 and Donald Trump at 45. Now, I mentioned the polls not because I have great faith in polls at this stage of the campaign, but just to point out the challenge you have if you want to argue that the Democratic nominee for president should not be Joe Biden. There is no substitute candidate who polls better than Joe Biden. Now, Assuming you still believe in Gavin Newsom, even though he's polling 10 points behind Donald Trump, you must then explain how your choice of nominee gets the nomination. Mm -hmm. The more thoughtful dump Biden proponents have actually recently tried to work their way through the maze of how someone other than Joe Biden can be nominated for the president in the Democratic Party. They all rely on Joe Biden, first of all, releasing all of his delegates at the convention on Monday, August 19th. 
And they all assume that the delegates who have showed up for the convention, at least 90 percent of whom will be Biden delegates, maybe more, will then easily agree on Gavin Newsom. You certainly get the feeling that most people who want to dump Joe Biden also want to dump Kamala Harris from the ticket. They don't seem to fear what would happen among a key voting demographic who delivered the presidency to Joe Biden and the vice presidency to Kamala Harris. Black women voters. I would vote for Kamala Harris in a second, in a yep. half a second, in a quarter of a second, Absolutely. in a fraction of a second. You know what I mean? I, I was for her in the original campaign yeah. in 2020. I was in her camp. Her and uh, I, well, it was it was close between her and um, Elizabeth Warren, you know. But what happened was we all got behind behind Biden, and he picked Harris as his vice president nominee, and they won, you know. And I mean, she, I think she's been a wonderful vice president. I have a but thousand they, percent confidence in her, like I do. It's like I I just want to say this in front of all these witnesses. It's like she, I would be completely happy with her running. Oh, and all of the trashing of her is all because they're afraid that she could become the first black woman president if something were to happen to Biden. I so. mean, I hear that, and I know like like because gender and ethnicity they won't and all say that. It. But I think as a human goes, as humanity goes, like her thoughts and her ideas, I'm thousand percent behind her. I'm just saying you know all I'm the saying? criticism of her is because they won't say their racism. They're afraid that she'll be the first black president. You know, Nikki Haley's out yeah. there saying it. You know, yeah. I mean, but uh, anyway, so T, do you yeah. know who Raymond Arroyo is? <laughs> oh, what is that? Oh. Every time they try to say Trump, they try to stop him at a trial or they try to throw all of this, uh, you know, sludge at him. He somehow survives, which must drive his opponents crazy, because even the sneaker thing. I was on social media last night. Very interesting. As you see, black support eroding from Joe Biden. This is connecting with black America because they love sneakers. They're into sneakers. They love the You know, this is a big deal, certainly in, in the inner city. So when you have Trump roll out his sneaker line, they're like, wait a minute, this is cool. He's reaching them on a level that defies and is above politics. The culture always trumps politics. And Trump understands culture like no politician I've ever seen. Question for you on that point, though. Will the people that are excited about the sneakers and excited about Donald Trump Will that translate into them going out and voting for Donald Trump? Well, anybody willing to put 400 bucks down for a pair of sneakers? Yeah, I think that's commitment and love. I it's hope something. You're right. It's something. It's affection on, on some level. I, I don't think this is just for collectors. It's for people who want Donald Trump brand sneakers. That, again, he's connecting on a different level. And, and uh, that, I hope he brings new voters into the fold, though, because I have a feeling the people that are going to go buy the $400 sneakers were probably going to vote for Trump anyway. So that's my concern. How, oh, yeah. well, how does he get new voters into the fold? That's my concern. That's funny. And that's like on a pro-Trump like podcast or whatever. No, that was on Fox News. That was on Fox News. Straight up Fox. The, the, the cow manure central. The fact yeah. that this guy said, I, I, you know, I, I believe you know, the, those from the inner city. Uh, dude, you've never been near the inner city, and I bet you dollars to donuts the last time you passed a person of color, you clutched your wallet. 
Right. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Raymond Arroyo used to be on EWTN, Mother Angelica's Catholic channel. Oh, yeah. And they had one of those, they had those, those, you know, it was basically like a, a, a they, they tried to make it like a news program, mm-hmm. but it was just, it was just propaganda is all it was, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, and now he's at Fox. Well, go fitting. Go figure, right? But yeah, oh yeah, oh you know Donald Trump's going to do great be- with black voters because of these sneakers, because black people love sneakers. I mean, that talk about racist. That is the racist. <laughs> I mean, that, that is, is a cool so, one. It is so racist. It's unbelievable. I mean, my friend, Tim, my friend, that was a freaking bullhorn sitting there looking like a wish, um, shoot, Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, seriously, mm-hmm. seriously, wow. But uh, anyway, and then uh, uh, one of the the reporters asked uh, um, Tommy Tuberville what he thought about the Alabama Supreme Court ruling versus the IBF. It has been rightly described as kryptonite for the Republican Party, the court's assault on reproductive rights. And now a new issue in this fight has opened up, leaving politicians without a clear answer on the topic. Following the Alabama Supreme Court's ruling that frozen embryos created through in vitro fertilization are considered children, doctors and patients are fearful and uncertain and outraged. Watch Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville struggle to answer a question from NBC News this afternoon about what is happening in his own state. Do you have a reaction to the Alabama Supreme Court ruling on the fact that embryos are children? Yeah, I was all for it. We need to have more kids. We need to have an opportunity to do that. And this, I thought this was the right thing to do. But, but IVF is used to have more children. And right now, IVF services are paused at some of the clinics in Alabama. Aren't you concerned that this could impact people who are trying to have kids? Well, that's for that's for another conversation. People no, need not. to have that. We it's need more kids. Coming. We need the people to to have the opportunity to have kids. Senator, what do you say to the women right now in Alabama who no longer have access to IVF? Yeah. As a result of this well, well, that's a hard one. It really is. It really hard because he doesn't know uh, what IVF it, is. You want people to have that opportunity. <laughs> that's not a hard and, one. And that's what I was telling her. We need more kids. Kids. Then why are you opposing people? This process that helps people have children. I, I mean, it it's is really no idea. That simple. If you if your if your argument is you want more children, then why are you? fighting this process that helps people have children what did you catch him did you catch at the end he didn't even really know what he was talking about because exactly because he said i'd have to look at the legislation legislation. it's not legislation it was a supreme court ruling and now it's backfired on him so bad that then now the legislature is going to have to go back and modify this law that they ruled on to say that it's only if it's implanted in a woman that it's a child. That it's a child. I just want to say this in front of all these witnesses. Tuberville is a fucking idiot. Right. I mean, <laughs> he's just a fucking idiot, man. And I don't want him to be a senator. I don't. I, he needs to get the hell out of out of out of politics altogether. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Wait a minute. Mm. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Remember, this is the guy that held up promotions for members of our right. military. Right. All the while saying, Thank well, you. my father served, so I, un- I have understanding of the military. You didn't leak all over the military for months, and now this happened, and you still don't have the brain intestinal fortitude to be able to answer a simple question. He's just dumb. Mm-hmm. He's just dumb. <laughs> mm-hmm
I just want to say one thing is um, I think that there's a couple of things that tied to the in vitro issue and women across the country, all over the country, it's a healthcare issue. It's not about having children at this point. It's a healthcare issue. And there's a lot of women that have fertility diseases. Um, I have, and I, I had endometriosis really bad. And I think back on it, like if I was, um, 20 years ago where I am right now, I mean, if you know what I mean, vice versa, whatever. Um, and I, I, cause I had miscarriages. I had a really hard time having my son. Um, and I think about that. I would have been considered a criminal yeah. for having miscarriages. Um, I would have been considered a criminal for considering other options to try to figure out about planning a family. Um, even though in vitro wasn't really an option for me back in those days, but I'm just saying, all the things, and I had to take birth control to help my endometriosis, not to control um, not having children. So all these things that were a part of my health care to try to create a family are being denied to young women right now uh, in, right. in many, many states. It's not just one or two states right now. It's multiple states. And states where women are having health care issues or having miscarriages or having infertility issues now have to speak to other women quietly in whispers and hide. It's like the 1950s yep. again. Well, and just, that's wrong. Just that's like crazy. just like Jojo from Jersey. Dear Republicans, you've underestimated women for the last fucking time. Buckle up. Yeah, I you mean, know. I even had a friend from, of mine from down south reaching out to me saying that she might have to contact me if she wants to bring her daughter up here to take care of something. And I sat there and thought, what are we doing? This is crazy. And I was heartbreaking. It was just heartbreaking to have this like late night uh, direct message conversation on Twitter. We were, you know, talking back and forth to each other. And I sat and thought, what the hell is going on here? This is wrong. And all these young women are viewing their bodies as um, they're not, they're not being respected. They're not being taken care of. They have to, you know, literally have their mom text a friend in New York city quietly on a Friday night to maybe get some help or something. It's like, what What are we doing? Yep. And mm. I hope, I pray, that what you said is true, that there'll be this silent, huge tidal wave of pissed off women who realize, and I'm not talking Democratic women, I'm talking Republican women realizing you can't do this to our daughters. Well, I don't but, think it's going to be silent. <laughs> well, but a lot of these women don't think they can or should speak out around their husbands which I find crazy um, and sad and pathetic. But, um, but I hope that it, it, it causes a tide of something to happen. Well, the voting booth is still private for now. You know, so hopefully they'll, they'll be able to make their decision at the booth and it won't affect their life. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I, I, see. I hope that's true. But I'm just saying something needs to happen. Something needs to shake this up because... Um, we are affecting literally future generations of women right now and, and how they look at their bodies, how they look at creating families. Um, it, it makes the sexual revolution of the 60s look like um, a, a piece of fantasy fiction. Right. So, like, it, it's horrifying to me, and, and I, I can't get over it. I, and also it's causing other problems. Um, the AIDS epidemic... Um, partly happened in the late 80s, early 90s, because nobody was willing to talk about condoms or safer sex or how to take care of their bodies. And I feel like it's going to have more repercussions on that level, too, where we're just going to have people not talking about sex, not talking about how to take care of themselves, 
um, where, you know, your bodies just don't matter anymore, you know, especially women's bodies. Yeah. Um, Allie, I saw saw a tweet, a screenshot of a tweet someone posted on Facebook. And as this guy on Twitter said, I miss the days when women, women stayed home, did the cooking and cleaning and kept their mouth shuts. And this woman replied and said, I miss the days when men went off to war and died. Let me say this real quick. I hope that happens. But in June 2022, when people were out here saying, hey, there's not just Roe v. Wade, far too many women and men did not listen. And we wound up with a majority in the House. No, I hear you. I mean, that's why I said I don't know. Um, I just think that I hope something's brewing silently and that it will build stronger and stronger. But I mean, it's got to happen. And. It, unfortunately, it's very sad because I really think it's the younger generation that's really being impacted and harmed the most, mm-hmm. and they will have to take a stand because they're ha- well, and their parents too. I'm sorry, but if you have a, a daughter in you know late teens, early twenties, you better be taking a stand on behalf of your daughter. That's right. That's right. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, Lawrence O'Donnell had on Mary Trump to talk about Trump's uh, civil judgments. I, I was struck by what you've written about. Um, where he is in relation to the edge as a result of uh, New York State Attorney General Letitia James closing in on him. And that specific line she said in that television interview about she looks at 40 Wall Street every day. Uh, (laughs) Is it your sense that Attorney General James has figured out two things, how to beat Donald Trump in court and how to drive him absolutely insane with statements like that? Yeah, she has his number uh, for sure. And anybody who's from New York who has been paying any attention for the last many decades knows what makes him tick. And what's so fascinating about this latest chapter in his life is that he's finally reached the end of the road. Um, When he was taking over for my grandfather or when he was my grandfather's successor and the one who was going to fill my grandfather's ambitions, he had he didn't need skill. He just need skill as a real estate developer. He just needed the skill as the arrogant, self-confident, brash guy who played well on television. Um, My grandfather always had hundreds of millions of dollars to prop him up. Um, We know that when, after my grandfather died, Donald sold the empire lock, stock and barrel at a loss of approximately $300 million. So he still had some cash on hand to keep it going and that he kept getting rehabilitated and rehabilitated. A.G. James knows better than anybody else that there's nobody else left to hand Donald a blank check anymore. And that's what keeps him up at night because he is terrified of having the truth about him be known, not just to other people, but to himself, because that's what's kept him going all these times, all these years. The lie that has become in his own mind, the truth about what a great successful man he is. That's right. Oh, can you imagine when she seizes 40 Wall Street and his name comes off the front of the building? Oh, He's going to have a stroke. <laughs> Can we call it Aging Carroll Building? Right? I think that would be great. Yeah, I mean, and, 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 and his Fifth Avenue building, Trump Tower, take his oh. name off of it. Oh, my God. You, you, you think he's whining on True Social now? 
Yeah, he's going to have a massive stroke. I promise you I will get photos when they take those letters down downtown. I will rush there. I will do anything to get there and get photos. I, It's got to happen. Yeah, uh, you exactly. know, we we enjoy going to New York for vacation, so we might be right beside you, Allie. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm only two hours away. There you go. Yes. We could all, all, all three, four of us, five of us. Well, be I'll, there. I'll come too because it's been a while uh, since no, we've been. I, I will send out a, a, a bat signal. You get here as fast as you can. Right there, you <laughs> go. Two hundred ninety-nine shoebox, square foot shoebox. I will put you. <laughs> Love it. If I uh, leave now, I could be there by five. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll close out with a Michael Steele hat on Heidi uh, Prisbaya. And she was talking about this crazy, what these radical right, you know, uh, evangelical Christians are trying to pull. On the other side, Heidi, you've got the new speaker, uh, Mike Johnson, who's not afraid to wear his Christianity on his sleeve, on his sleeve, his collar, his lapel, his head, wherever he can wear it. Um, how do members react to that? How are they responding to this real strong infusion of Christian nationalism into the body politic of the House? I've talked with a lot of experts on this, and I've seen it myself with my reporting, Michael, which is that the base of the Republican Party has shifted, right? Remember when Trump ran in 2016, a lot of the mainline evangelicals wanted mm-hmm. nothing to do with the divorced, uh, you know, real estate mogul who right. had cheated on his wife and with a porn star and all of that, right? So what happened was he was surrounded by this more extremist element. You're going to hear words like Christian nationalism, like the new apostolic reformation. These are groups that you should get very Uh, very schooled on because they have a lot of power in Trump's circle. And the one thing that unites all of them, because there's many different groups orbiting Trump, but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists, not Christians, by the way, because Christian nationalists is very different, Mm -hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress. They don't come from the Supreme Court. They come from God. The problem with that is that they are determining man Men, mm-hmm. there it is, yeah, men, yeah. are determining what God is telling them. And in the past, that so-called natural law is, you know, it's a pillar of Catholicism, for, mm-hmm. Catholicism, for instance. It's been used for good in social justice campaigns. Right. Martin Luther King evoked it in talking about civil rights. But now you have an extremist element of conservative Christians who say that this applies specifically to issues including abortion, gay marriage, and it's going much further than that, as you see, for instance, with the ruling in Alabama this week that judges connected to that dominionist uh, faction Mm -hmm. in talking about um, a lot of other issues, including surrogacy, IVF, uh, you know, sex education in schools. There's a lot in addition. Yep, this is what they want. But what they don't realize is, is it's not what the rest of America wants, right? You yeah. know, they they really well, they think don't that, care. they don't care. They, you're right, T. They don't. But but I mean, I I mean I I don't know. The majority will win regardless whether they care or not. You know, it's like they don't have to care. They can still lose. Yeah. You know. Well, there you go. I mean, well, with that said, tell people where they can check you out. Well, thank you. I, like I said, I am so happy to be here on the Tim Cormel show for my birthday. I'm 52 years old and I'm celebrating my birthday and I'm just super huge, you know, a pleasure to be here. And you can find me on um, Mastodon. Mastodon is like my main 
social media thing nowadays because it's a bunch of nerds and it's not mean. So <laughs> I like it. You know, it's nerds, not it's not mean nerds. So yeah, I fit in. And you can check me out at Seth Beyond. 23 on Macedon, and my wife and I have a blog on Instagram, Vegan ESP. You can check them out our vegan food there. And just again, very grateful to be here. Thank you, Tim. All right. Thank you, Seth. And T. Hey, uh, thank you again for letting me come up. I enjoyed myself. Uh, you can find me over on the Tickety Talk at T Brown 64 or over on Spoutable. At T Brown one zero six one. All right, thank you, T. And we'll go to Ellie. I'm still at Watergate Summer on Twitter, and I will be there till the bitter end. <laughs> All right, Ellie and Joe. Well, nowhere. Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to reach you. <laughs> I know how to reach you. And yeah, you know how to get me. Yeah. And uh, like I say, Tim Cuomo on all the socials except for the Twitter. And we'll close out with our good buddy Lauren's latest song with her husband, uh, Scott Gruntle. And this is Gold Fake Shoes. So with that, take it away, Lauren, and we will see you all soon. Well, it's one to grab money, two for a show. So poor folks give Trump all their dough. But don't you fall for those gold fake shoes. Fake shoes, gold fake shoes. They're worth twelve ninety nine, so don't fall for those gold fake shoes. If he's really such a billionaire. Why is he hawking cheap footwear? He even got booed when he came on to the appropriately named shoe corner. Don't you fall for those gold fake shoes. Fake shoes, gold fake shoes. They're worth twelve ninety nine, so don't fall for his gold fake shoes. Ivanka copied designs, so does Don. But the red soul's owned by Louboutin. A lawsuit may come any day, for which he'll make more suckers pay. So don't you. Fall for those gold fake shoes. Fake shoes, gold fake shoes. They're worth twelve ninety nine, so don't fall for his gold fake shoes. Well, it's one for the lawsuit, two for the grift, three for delivery that won't be swift. His MAGA fans may end up pissed when they learn the shoes may not exist. So don't you fall for those gold fake shoes. Fake shoes, gold fake shoes. Not even his design, so don't fall for his gold fake shoes. All right, everybody. Ew, 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 gold fake shoes. 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 They're worth twelve ninety nine, so don't fall for his gold fake shoes. Thank you very much. Thank you.